Hello Plus members, I hope you're enjoying your weekend. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 23 of Mysterious Universe Plus. You got anything planned for this weekend? Because we, we record on Fridays, so. I'm taking our Plus members from the roller coaster, which was our last episode, to the space shot on top of the highest tower you can find <laughs> of what this episode is going to be. Wow. Yeah, good description. Because we teased in the extension of the last episode that we may be able to get David Eckhart on this show. And we were lucky enough to secure that interview and... Uh, that's what we've got for you on today's show. And I didn't know what to expect from David because all we've seen is some coverage here and there from Phantoms and Monsters. Look, admittedly, in the past, I've been slightly sceptical of the information that's come through. And I think that this interview has been a learning experience for me as well, because I think that when something is portrayed on the internet, it's really difficult to grasp what is really going on. You really need to speak to people and interview people. And in case you're a new Plus member or you haven't been following David's story, he claims to have... Uh, been having interactions with extraterrestrial beings, being abducted, having them uh, interact with him in his house and with his family uh, for a number of years. And he also has uh, some photo evidence and video evidence, which we've covered before. And as you said, we've been pretty sceptical and really sceptical of a lot of the stuff that's come out. And we've always said, look, we need to talk to David to get a better idea of where he's at, you know, and judge his character. Well, look, the thing is, he comes across really well. Have a listen to the interview, because you'll find there's a few points in the interview where he behaves as what you would expect someone to behave had they been placed in the situation. And what I mean is, he talks about where, what can I do? What can I do? I can't go to the police. I, I, won't, I can try going to the media, but they'll just betray me as a nutcase. So, he's kind of just resigned to, well, what can I do? And that's a normal reaction. Not, oh, I have to get this out. I must tell everyone. I must sell a book. He's not selling any books. He's not making any money out of this. He doesn't even have a website. Yeah. Um, I'm really looking forward to discussing the interview at the end of it. But again, we didn't know what to expect. We had uh, just a tiny bit of information on David's experiences. And it turned out to be an incredible talk. So, uh, sit back and here's the interview with David Eckhart. Joining us on the show today is David Eckhart. Thanks for joining us, David. How are you this evening? Yeah, pretty good, thank you. It's good to have you. We've been following your story on Lon's Phantoms and Monsters blogs and, and kind of getting bits and pieces on what's been happening to you. We understand that uh, you've, you claim to have had experiences with uh, extraterrestrial entities um, and we, we're really looking forward to getting an overall look of what's been happening to you. So... Can you kind of take us back to when this all first started? When did you first have uh, a strange experience? I've always had strange experiences, but never really put my finger on it. But uh, mm. and I had my really my first encounter out in the uh, woods with a couple of friends, but that's a, that's a long story there. But uh, I actually chased an entity through the woods, and and uh, I made the mistake of going back and telling uh, everybody that, We've seen something in the woods, and and uh, but anyways, uh, twelve years went by after that. You know, we've seen UFOs in here. You know, Gulf Breeze in Pensacola is like a hot spot, so you get used to seeing that kind of stuff around here. But but it really started is uh, uh, about twelve years after that. How old were you when when you saw that first entity, and what did you see? About eighteen or nineteen, okay. and. and uh, uh, a few friends, uh, me and uh, another buddy, and a guy that was a native of Gulf Breeze, uh, was showing us around in some woods at night, you know, uh, 
and he knew where a pond was at in the woods, and we'd come to the fire, and uh, we was uh, seemed to be tra- being trailed by some kind of orb or light. Wow. The first time I ever seen anything like that, so it really, really, it, it caught my attention, and I, I really wanted to know what it was, so finally it got close enough to uh, to find out that it was something strange, so I went chasing after it to the woods, and and must have chased it for about maybe 15 or 20 minutes through the woods. Make a long story short, there's more to it. But uh, but uh, it kind of freaked out the guy that was with us. That, uh, and uh, and see, well, we we tried to find a way back to his car because we was in his car. And uh, on the way back to his car, we ran into a uh, uh, one of these gray-looking guys. I I didn't even know what a what a gray was when I seen this guy. He I just kind of spotted them uh, right out of the blue. And were they and, uh, were they in clear view? Did you see them clearly? Or oh yeah, he was probably probably about maybe thirty feet away from me, uh, and he just kind of froze and looked at me. And I stopped walking and I froze and I looked at him. Wow. And I'm I'm looking at him. I I couldn't tell if it was a deer or an owl or a, or or somebody that had a mask on, and. Uh, I yelled for my buddies that was just behind me just a little ways, and it took off running. So I took off running after this thing, and uh, I could clearly outrun him. I, I caught up to him real quick, and uh, and I, I'm sitting there, I could smell him. I was so close, and I could have just reached out and tackled him, but I couldn't bring myself to do it. Wow. Can you describe that? what exactly it looked like? Because you say gray, but can, can you give us an idea of height and uh, skin color and that kind of thing? His head was about as tall as... Uh, my chest and I'm I'm about five foot ten and uh and I was so close to him I was only looking at the back of his head when I was up close to him and uh you could see his skin was like a grayish color it kind of reminded me of uh one of these little kids that had that old man disease that accelerated aging disease yeah and uh and I, I I couldn't bring myself to tackle it because I didn't know what the heck it was. What made you chase after it? That is, that doesn't seem like a, a normal response. I mean, most people would would probably poo their pants and run. I just, uh, I have a natural curiosity of things. Yeah. Things don't scare me. You know, like I see, I see, you know, these big guys with tattoos and and they're scared of mice and and alligators. But they go to a bar <laughs> and they get in a fight and they'll, and they'll come to work and they'll brag about, yeah, I got in a fight with ten guys. But when they see a mouse, they run. But stuff like that just. <laughs> don't bother me for some reason. It, I, I just have a natural curiosity. And you said that there was a smell as well. What what exactly was the smell you experienced? He smelled sort of like a like an ether smell. If you ever smell like car starting fluid, yeah, yep. It, it kind of smelled like that. Interesting, and, uh, but it wasn't real potent or anything. It just you know just in the breeze breaking off of him, and. As I was chasing behind him, I was looking at he, how he was running. He wasn't really bending at the knees when he was running. It was like, run, it kind of reminded me of a spider, like he was running. But uh, but uh, then then uh, my buddies were catching up to me, and uh, I said, oh, I'm just scaring this thing. I didn't know what the heck it was. And so I slowed down, and, and it kept running and went around in the bush. And then uh, my buddy Bob he said, what, what was it? I said, go around that way, you know, and he ran around and it was gone. We never, never saw it again. And, uh, did your friend see it as well? Yeah, he saw, he saw part of it, but he couldn't really make out what it was. Right. 
now what I know about these guys now, he was probably still there because they had like a cloaking device. But anyways, we went back to town and we're going like, hey, man, what do you think we've seen an alien and they're not green? And, uh, you know, it's like everybody's like, oh, come on, guys. You know, it's like, but. Uh, How did that make you feel? I mean, that must have changed your life having that experience. I had uh, I had dreams for almost two solid weeks after that of uh, the whole scenario. You know, it's like because I, it, you know, it took me years to digest what it was, and after about twelve years, uh, uh, you know, I started thinking, well, maybe maybe I didn't see what I saw, and uh, then I had a buddy talk me into doing a uh, hypnotic regression on it, which was pretty cool because I got to relive the whole. The whole situation, not as a bystander, but through my own eyes, what I saw. And uh, and what did you discover from that? Uh, everything I remembered, right down to the sea. But uh, and that's a long story there. But uh, so you're 18 years old, and and that's your first experience. And take us. What happened from there? You said it took you 12 years before you kind of um, went back to relive that experience again. Uh, what started to happen next? You know, I was invited to uh, to uh, one of these uh, support groups, and everybody saying, "Oh, you know, what you freaked out?" And no, no, no. And I heard some stories from some uh, some of the people from the support group, which really sounded off the wall, you know. And and uh, believe me, <laughs> it was like, "Oh my God, I can't believe these people are telling me this really crazy stuff." But uh, it really it's stranger than you can possibly imagine. Because some of the things they was telling me later on, uh, uh, I found out for myself that they wasn't freaked out people. They was actually, I actually got to witness some of the things they got to see. So you think they're telling the truth? Uh, right, right. And uh, as far as uh, uh, Stargates and uh, the cloaking ability uh, and, and how they were, but these people, they always seem to be on the edge trying to tell me, but... You know, I didn't really never have a problem with it. I just thought it was a cool experience. And w- how were you dealing with uh, that experience? I mean, you said you went to a support group. Was it still causing you emotional stress and was it kind of hidden? No, it, it, no, it didn't cause me no emotional stress. I, it, just, it just took me a long time to digest it. But uh, And I only went just to see, meet somebody else that had a, you know, oh, okay. basically what I, and just for, just to see, because of curiosity. Yeah, right, right. And not that I was freaked out by it or anything like that. I live a pretty normal life. Well, years down the road goes by, and, and uh, you know, I, I started a business and was doing really good. And, you know, you, you enter a part of your life where you think you got everything worked out, everything smooth. We bought a great big house out there on a golf course out here in Tanglewood and, uh, in uh, Milton, Florida. Beautiful house. But, uh, that's where the strange things started happening for us. Okay. Bad. And how long ago did you get this house? How long ago was this? It's been about maybe, uh, it's been almost uh, maybe eight and a half or, or nine years. Okay. Things were happening in the house. You hear stuff, you know, you just blow it off. It's the house making noises or, or whatever. What kind of what kind of noises were, were you hearing? What, what what exactly are you talking about? I, like doors and open and closing, and somebody sound like somebody's walking through the house. Uh, you know, and then and then it just started escalating. I would wake me up in the middle of the night. Uh, 
hearing people talking in the house or somebody running up and down the stairs and dishes slamming in the kitchen. You know, I'd get up out of bed and run in there. There'd be nothing going on, and you can't tell where the, the noise was coming from, and we would hear music playing in the house, and uh, sometimes we would have to turn up the television louder than the music that we were hearing because it was annoying. We would tear apart the- What did the music sound like, David? It was any, it was music anywhere from like the flamboyant 30s to nowadays music and music I never even heard before. Wow, that's interesting. It, it Was the house brand new? Did you buy a brand new house or was this an older the house? house? Was, the house was uh, built in 1984. Okay. So, that, that, and we did a lot of research thinking maybe it was ghosts, which I didn't believe in ghosts at the time. You know, it's like, it can't be ghosts, you know, but, uh, but as time went on, we'd be laying in bed in the middle of the night, and uh, it was, you could hear people talking back and forth, whispering right next to your head, and then you get up and there's nobody there, and uh, and a few times, yeah. <laughs> and when you say we, is this you and your wife? Me and my wife. Do you, do you have any children? Yeah, they was uh, they was a little bit younger at that time, and uh, and uh, and I'll get into that a little bit later as we go because they. They got involved in some of this too. Wow. But, uh, okay. Anyways, you know, my wife would wake me up in the middle of the night. And my whole bedroom would be lit up like this uh, pink color, like a mauve pink or a champagne pink. And uh, you would think it was morning time. Was and uh, I get up and look out the windows. It's still pitch black. It's two o'clock in the morning, but the whole room's lit up. But you cannot tell where the light was coming from, and or it would be blue. Uh, like a baby blue too. Was there any particular time this would happen? Is this uh... all different times? Right. And so, what would you do? What would you do? What would happen when you when this kind of light would would light up your bedroom in the middle of the night? Were you fully conscious, fully awake? And yeah, I'd be fully awake. You know, I wake up and it's like it's just morning time. You know, and then you look. It's two o'clock in the morning, but the room's lit up. But you you just couldn't tell with the light. I'd be get out, look through the windows, open the doors, and come back, and the, the light would just slowly dim down. But the whole room would be lit up like it was morning time. What what did you think this was? What what did you think was going on at this stage? I had I had no idea. I had I really had no idea, and it was you know it's just strange. And and then um my wife uh got one of these Polaroid cameras and. Uh, and I thought she was kind of weird for doing it at the time, but she'd walk to the house taking pictures because the cats would act really, fr- you know, strange. So she would take pictures where the cats were at, see if she could catch something, you know. And here and there you catch some, but you know you can't make nothing out of it. And then one time she got a picture that looked like some people mm. uh, from like maybe the the 40s or 30s was looking in one of our windows. Wow. And. uh and she had it on Polaroid, and uh, the weird thing was is this window was two stories up in the air. Wow. So so that, that, that's what kind of got my attention. Then my son got the idea, okay, he's going to buy a camera. So he got one of these VHS cameras, you know, you do a tape. And, then, and uh, we uh, got some pretty strange things on that, which looked like ghosts. And I said, okay, that really got my attention, you know, and... Uh, uh, you know, I didn't know what to do about it, but I was thinking maybe there is a such thing as ghost. And then uh, one day I come home from work, and uh, my wife met me at the back door. I always came in the back door after I came home from work, and uh, I was tired, and she looked like she was white as a ghost. 
And uh, she kept, she said, David, she says, I'm seeing people walk through the house. And I didn't want to deal with it. You know, I just come home from work. And <laughs> I kept telling her, just ignore it. I don't know what, I don't know what to tell her. You know, it's like, just ignore it. And uh, she almost started crying. And uh, being the man of the house, you know, you got to do something. You know, so, okay, I got to get to the bottom of this. I got to find out if we're in danger. So I went out and bought me a, a uh, digital a uh, video camera, and uh, and I, I had to start from scratch. I was going to find out what it was, and I started doing research on ghosts and haunted houses and stuff like that. And my wife kept going, "I think this is dimensional. This might be dimensional." And uh, I was thinking, "That's that's crazy. That's crazy." You know, it's like, but uh, you know, things would would just start escalating. Things would move around the house uh, and. And stuff, and I would try to catch it on video, and I didn't know how to do it, so I would set up a video camera in my bedroom. Worked pretty good, but I was only getting one part of my bedroom, so uh, I I got this uh, stainless steel bowl. It's uh, very reflective, and I hung it in the center of my room, so when I would set the video camera across the room, it would see the entire room, you know, sort of like a fish eye. I see, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that image. It's interesting. Yeah, and it works. Uh, It works pretty good. It works actually better through reflection, and there's a little bit of a science to that. I thought it was something I came up with, but actually I found out NASA is using the same technique to look at distant stars later on. Cool. So what did you start? What did you actually capture on film? Did anything start showing up? Yeah, well, we would get, you know, the apparitions and stuff like that, and uh, they would eventually, the entities would eventually start interacting with us, you know, after a while, but uh, they would stay transparent. It would look like something like from that uh, movie, The Predator. Wow. Uh, you could you could see the figure of them, but they'd be transparent, and you could touch them, and uh, when you would touch them, it would feel like a, like a wet static electricity wow you can actually feel it interesting yeah yeah and uh so at this time i was uh i was telling one of my buddies you know i'd learned my lesson the first time not to go out there and just run my mouth you know yeah about what's going on so i told my buddy he's a big old burly guy tattoos you know and uh and i would tell him he says david you sounding psychotic no i said no i'm telling you you got to come over and see this and uh and then he goes he goes, well, well, if I come over, they're not going to bother me, are they? I said, well, I said, if you don't believe me, you know, it's like, then why do you worry, you know? <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> so, so eventually, I talked him into coming on over, and uh, he wanted to say, okay, I want to see. I said, peak time's about one thirty. this stuff starts happening. And uh, so about one thirty, I bring him to my bedroom because that's where the, most of the activity happened. So me and my wife sat there on the bed with him, and we just waited and all of a sudden, you know, you always feel a big cold draft just before it starts happening. And uh, and they come on in, and I say, you see that? And he's looking around, and, and then he uh, he starts uh, getting these tears through his eyes. I say, you can touch him, you know? And and, uh, and uh, he's like, Dave, I'll never doubt you again. This is, you know, says, I cannot believe this you know and uh we played around with them for about 30 minutes and uh then they left interesting and then uh, the, the next morning i went in there he slept on the couch that night and uh i went in there and i woke him up and i said i says hey so what, what do you think of that and what happened last night and he goes david 
you power suggested me to see that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I was sitting there thinking, how did I do that? You was there. You touched them, you know, and you interacted with them, and you telling me that I power suggested you. So his mind couldn't accept it. Right. And, well, my mind couldn't accept it at first. Yeah, right. But the more I, I got to know what was going on, and they were predictable what was going on. Yeah, was this happening so regular that you could do that? You could almost say, tonight, at this time, something's going to show up. Was it that regular? They was there almost every single night, but about at least five times wow. a week. It would, and sometimes they'd be there during the daytime. Okay, and let's clarify when we talk about they. We're talking about a semi-transparent figure. Right. Um, and if you touch it, you can feel some sort of static or... Wet static. Wet yeah. gel, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Now, I'm curious because this, all of this sounds like things we've covered on our show before, but it sounds like almost poltergeist activity, you know, ghosts and hauntings and things like that. Mm. And I'm curious as to where the extraterrestrial link comes in. And I'm actually also curious as to whether you think it was related to the house or whether you think this has actually got something to do with you. Uh, they're, they're, they're not human. They're not ghosts. Right. They're highly organized. They use uh, cell phones type deal for communication. Uh, and a porthole would open up. They've carried me and my wife out awake uh, through this porthole, and we remember exactly the same thing. Uh, strange things would happen, like uh, missing time. You know, this I'm trying to build you up to uh, of how I found out for sure what these guys are. Okay. And uh, we would have missing time, you know, two hours. Uh, sometimes... Well, let me tell you about this one time that one night we was getting ready to go to bed and we go to bed pretty, you know, pretty early around, uh, eight thirty, nine o'clock at night, you know, just after sundown and we got in the bed and next thing you know, the alarm clock was going off. We didn't even go to sleep and the alarm clock, I said, the alarm clock's gotta be wrong. Right. Get up and sure enough, daylight was breaking. Wow. And we're sitting there looking at each other going, what just happened? And, you know, I, time and temperature, was, we called them up and said, it was just 8 o'clock, we get in bed, and we're just laying there for like five minutes. It seemed like it was five minutes, and next thing you know, it was uh, morning time. Daylight was breaking, the alarm was going off. We didn't even sleep. Did you remember anything, David? I didn't remember nothing from that right. at all, but uh, that would happen quite often, as well as missing two hours here or two hours there. Did you feel and, exhausted uh, all the time, or you just felt rested? Uh, no, I was I was getting exhausted. Yeah, uh, the whole family was starting to get exhausted because things were getting really crazy. And uh, well, one night we were sitting there laying in the bed, me and my wife, and uh, we was waiting for something to you know for him to come out. And I had the camera set up and everything. And uh, you know, half the time the camera wouldn't get nothing. Sometimes it would, but. Uh, but they come on in, and uh, and we knew they was there, and uh, you could hear growling going on, and and people talking back and forth, and uh, me and my wife, you know, we're kind of looking at each other. You don't know what's going to happen, you know. And uh, I asked them if it was evil or or uh, or good to give us some kind of sign, and within uh, within three seconds, we went like. From, it started at the feet, went numb all the way up to our body, to our head. It was like. It's like, but we were still conscious, but 
you felt like a, a limp biscuit. You couldn't do nothing, and you really didn't care. It was like that kind of situation, and they picked us both up out of the bed and carried us out of the house through this porthole, Stargate, and uh, we was able to talk back and forth to each other. You know, it's like, oh, my God, do you feel that? What's yeah. going on? Did it hurt? And What's that? Did it hurt? Were they hurting you? No, not at all. And you said there was communication. Was this between you and your wife? Yeah, well, we were able to still talk back and forth while they was carrying us out of the house. And was this verbal or was it in your mind? No, we was talking back and forth with our mouth. Okay, okay. And now, you said that they, they took you. Could you actually physically see them at that point or was it still semi-transparent? They were still semi-transparent. Interesting. But, uh, but as soon as we moved to this... Uh, Porthole, Stargate, whatever you want to call it. And uh, where was that? Was that in your house? And can you describe exactly what that yeah, looked it was, like? It was right at the foot of my bed. It, uh, it would open up right next to my dresser, or this time it opened up at the foot of my bed where my TV would be at. Uh, but it, it opened up right there, and they just told it us outside the house. They didn't float us. You know, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding that people think they're being floated out of the house mm. you have the sensation of floating but you, you're not they're carrying you right and uh and they bring somebody in big enough to do it too as in a reptilian uh some of them are reptilians some of them there's uh, another species that they look like a uh like a type of between a frog uh type of skin and a frog looking face but they was built like uh maybe like a silverback ape Interesting. Wow. they have long long arms short legs uh, very strong. Uh, then there is the reptilians that everybody talks about that they look scaly. Well, let's let's get to so, let's get to some descriptions because I really want to hear uh, what what happened when you went through this portal. What what exactly happened? Okay, well, the first stage when we went through, what, the first thing I noticed was that it was like uh, everything turned pitch black, like uh, total obelisk blackness, and. Uh, and then all of a sudden we went to like another stage where where we came out to another opening to uh, to me it looked like there was a, like an airplane hangar in a, a big open field with concrete and there was like side buildings that they would carry me they was carrying me up underneath the armpits up underneath the arms and they went through one door and it was like a doctor and he was standing next to a bed and he was wearing uh, blue scrubs. But they carried me into the next room because every time they always taking us out of the house, uh, they would separate us. Yeah, right. And and you you say a doctor? Is this a human doctor? A human being? No, this is a this is like a reptilian doctor. Right, right. I couldn't see his face, but it, you could see his eyes, and uh, he had a, a bigger build yeah. than a human. And you uh, you said that you were being taken into buildings. What what did the buildings look like? Can you recall? They they reminded me of uh, just like little cubicles uh, buildings maybe uh, maybe about maybe shoot maybe ten foot by maybe uh, sixteen eighteen foot long okay and they uh, had windows in them interesting and then they took us in there I don't remember much after that but I remember waking up the next morning and uh, and uh, I was driving to uh, work and. Uh, I got halfway to work and it popped me in the head that God, that happened last night. So I called my wife. I was driving down the road and I called her up and says, "You remember that?" She goes, "Yeah, yeah, I remember everything." I says, 
said, did that really happen? She goes, yeah, I remember, yeah. So, but it was kind of exciting. And so, but, but I was uh, had trouble concentrating at work all the next day because I kept thinking about that. Of all course day. you would. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask if you had recalled that from maybe a hypnotic regression or if you'd actually naturally recalled it. But what was your wife experience like? Was was her description the same kind of thing? I mean, did she get taken right. into a medical place and and remember seeing the doctor? What was her description like? Uh, yeah, she she described it the same way as me as uh, moving through the different rooms and uh, in the total darkness. You know, when we first went through, but uh, she don't remembers any surgery okay. like me or anything like that when it happened. Uh, but. I knew that's probably what happened, and what they did, I don't know. So, David, have you have they experimented on you or had surgery performed on you? Oh, yeah. I was awake uh, to uh, a week's worth of surgery one time. What happened? I was having problems with my uh, my bones. That, you know, my they really never knew what it was, but my doctor was telling me it's more like a rheumatoid arthritis. So, anyways, they ended up... Uh, doing some surgery on me, which I didn't know what they was doing at the time, but they had to go through uh, like three different channels of uh, higher up people to okay the surgery. And I'm talking about the entities. Wow, and, interesting. Uh, yeah. And the final person that came in and said, let's go ahead and do it. I didn't know what they was doing at the time, but, uh, but it took about a week. And uh, I remember they was working on my legs and uh, my feet. They make mistakes. They are they're not flaw free because uh, when I was watching them do surgery on my feet, they actually put my left toenails on my right toenails. When they was putting me back together, uh, the surgery techniques are really uh, you don't feel anything. You can feel the pressure, but uh, however they deaden your legs or your body parts when they do surgery, you don't feel nothing but the pressure. But it does wear off. So, this was an experience you were having, um, I'm, I'm presuming that you were getting taken at night and that these experiences were happening every night of the week. Am I correct? Correct. Right, right. Now, at this stage, because you said when you're being taken, they're, they're like semi-transparent, but when you're actually in this operating room, can you then clearly see these entities? Yeah, I can see their faces. Right. I can see the tools they're using. I can uh I can smell the uh, the bone dust in the air when they're drilling on the bones. Uh, I can feel the pressure when they they separate the bones. Wow! Uh, I can hear them talking back and forth. Okay, uh, well let's let's look at some of these details. I'm really curious about this because um, this is a good chance for you to describe in detail exactly what these entities look like. Um, so yeah, give us an idea of of height, build, color, and you know, those kind of uh, attributes. Uh, the, uh, they got the one reptilian group that I'm dealing with. Uh, they're, they're more of a gray color, and they have the, the frog-looking skin. They seem to be pretty strong, but they, the grays work along with these guys. Right. And they're like always bystanders. They always, at least one gray off by the, on the sidelines or observing or whatever. It, it's hard to describe them unless you see them yeah. for yourself. Yeah, I can understand it's, that, yeah. Um, so, uh, in terms of height, how how high would you say that some of these reptilians are? Are they kind of average human oh, height or taller? Or anywhere from six to seven feet okay. uh, is uh, average height that I've seen them, and I've seen some at least maybe five feet as tall as me. Uh, you know, five foot ten. But uh, and then uh, the grays, 
believe it or not, all the greats don't look the same. You, they got a little bit taller ones, and they got a little bit shorter ones, and they got some with bigger noses. Uh, and they really don't do much talking at all. They uh, they pretty much observe. Matter of fact, I had one great that was, uh, I believe that he was in charge of uh, whoever came into my house and who left. And uh, and they would have to sign in. They kept the record, who came in and out. Clipboard, where he got the paper, I don't know. But I remember watching them sign in and sign out when they would come in and who was doing it. Their behavior is very clandestine. It sounds like it's a like a clandestine organization, doesn't it? It sounds almost uh, human, but um, they're obviously following some type of procedure. Is there some type of um, higher entity or some type of uh, because you said that they had to go up higher to get approval for your surgery? Um, is there some type of hierarchy there? Is there there's a, a group of people that are controlling this, or not people but entities? Is that what's going on? It's like a business form, right? <laughs> But uh, and they uh, they seem to be uh, I I've seen things that would lead me to believe that they're being ruled like as under royalty uh, or or uh, like a monarchy. You no, know, yeah, not like a president, but like like there's a like there's a royalty that that's running the show. Right. What but makes I never? What makes you say that? Some they would dress sort of like if they was in royalty, and they would answer to the people that was more. Uh, uh, like yeah, more regally dressed, right? Whether yeah, more formally dressed, or, or and uh, I'm sure they had ranks and stuff like that. I just seen things that would led me to believe it's actually a business form there, <laughs> and uh, and it's like I believe that they're being they're being led by some kind of royal blood or somebody. Interesting, yeah. So, David, I can assume that these operations that they did on you were actually for the benefit of you. They weren't experimenting on you. Is that right? Right. Well, they could have been learning at the same time. Right. Uh, but they got these surgeries uh, down packed. Uh, some of it looks a little barbaric in some of the instruments that they use, and they have engineered uh, uh, instruments. You know, I know how they do the surgeries without leaving uh, scars. So they didn't leave any scars on you? Uh, no. Okay. No, they sure didn't. They they actually, when they do it, they would uh, remove the the hair off of one part of the body and transplant it on the other side, and then remove the first layer of skin with these uh, things that look like a, a bunch of needles, and it would just peel back, and then they had this thing that looked like a leech, and it would take off the first layer of skin, and then uh, they would go in there and start making incisions and take you apart layer by layer and just keep putting it on the tray. And uh, you can't, you, you can, I was watching it going on. It was fascinating, and it didn't bother me so bad because I couldn't feel the pain from it, but I could feel the pressure. Right. And then uh, when they put you all back together, they go back all the same way again after they do what they do. But uh, the final process of it, they had this uh, stuff that looks like a, a, a grayish-looking liquid, like a gray a gel-looking stuff. And they would dump it on the skin, and uh, and either that would hold everything together, or or maybe it has nanotechnology in it. I'm not for sure. That would accelerate the healing process, but you would feel it the next day for about 12 hours. You know that something happened, or or you have a big red mark, but it would go away after about 12 hours. David, what's your mental state while this is happening? What's going through your mind? You say there that you're fascinated, but What's going on? It is. It's very fascinating, and and uh, 
and I I know when I'm there when I'm watching what's going on mm. and I and I try to interact or talk to them but they they don't really seem like I'm not good enough to talk to them or talk back I have gotten some information out of them I you have to pretty much stay neutral what you're seeing because you don't want I don't want to screw anything up you know while I'm there because I don't you know, I don't want to, I want to remember what's going on. So I try to stay neutral I see. and just observe what's going on. I see. And and, uh, and you said that when they're communicating, can you actually understand what they're saying and how do they communicate with you when they have done so? They speak, they speak English. They speak it pretty good. Really? Yes. What about to each other? They speak to each other in English as well. I've heard them speak English and, uh, and they have their own language as well. Uh, that they speak to each other, uh, but I, I couldn't tell you what language it is. But, but it sounds like some grunting or gro- groaning or whatever it is, uh, some, or clicks and whistles. Because you've seen alien writing, haven't you? I, I remember a report that you had drawn some of their their hieroglyphs or some of their their characters. Yeah, I would. I would. Uh, I would try to sneak my camera with me, and uh, I did uh, get a little bit of video. But I also would. Uh, uh, take a black magic marker with me or a red one i only had two of them that i remember but uh and i would write messages on myself in case i don't you know they would knock me out all the way i would write messages and see if they would give me something back but uh i know one time it was uh toting me through there and i remember seeing this uh egg looking shape thing it looked like it had a door on it but it just looked like a pod like it looked like a chair that you could sit down inside i don't know i had no idea what it was for but i had some writing on it and i jotted it down on my arm real quick and uh it was the best that i could you know and it was a little scribbly on my arm when i did it but when i got back i wrote it down on paper as fast as i could but i would try to set things up i'd write messages on my arms and my bike that i knew they'd be doing surgery so I would write it down, cut here, you know. <laughs> Leave them a message on your arm. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would write messages on me for when they come and get me in case I I wouldn't remember. Yeah. Or uh, I would write things down in case I didn't remember. Uh, uh, you know, the next day or whatever. And how how often was this happening, David? I mean, this is this is one experience you're talking about here. But know, over it. Yeah, this is um, many, many, many experiences. And I, you know what? I tried to talk to people, people that, that had some knowledge to them and, and some money. And you know, it's like, I, I have an opportunity for you if you want to do this. You know, it's like, and, and I couldn't get nobody to come out to my house and investigate this. I mean, I tried. I even thought about going to the local news. I had to stop myself. I'm going, uh, you know, it's like, and it's like, the story sounds too fantastic. Why would one person in the entire world, get video and, and have so many experiences over and over. These guys, they're, they're creatures of habit. It was predictable. i got to say, David, you, you, I wouldn't be too worried about going to the video, though, because you come across as incredibly uh, credible. You, you sound very rational and you sound quite logical. You just sound like you're someone who's experiencing these things. You're not, you're not entirely happy about it happening, but you also sound like um, you've sort of just, you're going to go with it because there's nothing you can do. Right, and and it was a, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity, you know. My my wife, my kids, uh, and you know they're like, let's get out of the house, let's move, let's get out of here. This, I'm going, no, 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 don't. This is this is once in a lifetime opportunity. I don't want to blow this because I want to give as much information as I can, 
and I was I was sleeping every other night to try to get some nights I wouldn't get nothing on video, some nights I would get things on video, and uh, and it was it was starting to take a toll on the family. Nobody was sleeping. Uh, we we had the kids sleeping in our rooms because they was getting upset and. And I had to try to make them feel comfortable, so we I, we wouldn't have to stop. Or, you know, everybody just started backing off on this. They'd started not really liking the situation that was going on. My daughter didn't like it. My son, you know, he would mess around with it with me too uh, sometimes, but he never remembers anything. But he remembers, you know, consciously, like when we'd be sitting at the kitchen table, and you start seeing people walking by through the doorway and stuff, and. Uh, and this is a little trick that we learned. Wow. Even though they're transparent, I noticed that they would collect dust and uh, spider webs on them. And uh, and so I got the idea. I pulled off one of my cigarette cellophanes and I stuck it to them. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> you could follow them around the house that way. It was so funny. <laughs> you, you use a smoke machine to capture them sometimes as well, don't you now? Yeah, well, that's why I got the idea. Actually, I, I tried it with uh, baby powder first. And uh, I guess, and, and it shows them all just for a split second of baby powder. You throw baby powder on them, you can see them for a split second, but it, it absorbs into their or their uh, their uh, uh, invisibility or whatever you want to call it. So then I got, uh, I told my wife I wanted to get a fog machine, and uh, the very first time I used it, she she got one for me, and I set it up in my bedroom, and uh, I didn't even realize anybody was there. And uh, I sat down on my bed and I kicked it on, and all of a sudden there was five of them in the room standing all around me, and they was looking at each other, and they was looking at me, and they all hauled butt. I mean, <laughs> 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 they, 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 and it works every single time if uh, that they was in there and they was transparent, and you could see more of them that's there that you can't see with your own eyes. David, you mentioned your, your kids before. Um, have they been actually directly involved in, like, have they been taken, such as you have? They would, uh, uh, actually, one time, uh, I was laying in bed waiting for them. My wife was already went to sleep, and I was sitting there waiting, and uh, I heard somebody come in the house, and uh, somebody pretty big, and they went upstairs. I heard them go upstairs. I was think, thinking about the kids, and all of a sudden I heard them coming back down the stairs, and... Uh, they brought him, brought my kids in my bedroom one at a time and laid them across the foot of my bed. And uh, and then this other uh, reptilian guy, he wasn't so tall, he come on in. And I sat up in my bed and I'm looking at him, he's looking at me. He asked me, does this bother you? And I didn't I didn't want to blow it. I, I wanted to show him that I trust him. I said, no, I trust you. And uh, they ended up picking all of us up and taking us out of the house together. But, and... Uh, and uh, they separated us, and I don't remember what happened after that. But uh, even one night, I was laying in bed, and uh, they're impatient too. So you can lay there for a little bit, and they got a job they got to come in and do. So I just laid there pretending I was asleep. And then uh, I uh, I was just about to doze off, and then all of a sudden I felt my blankets. They pulled off my, my body. And these uh, two guys, they, one guy grabbed me up underneath the right arm and then, then the left arm and drug me to the end of the bed. And uh, there was a reptilian female standing there, and she had this uh, look on her face like a smirk. And uh, I'm trying to wake up. I'm going, I said, why are you doing this? And uh, she turned around and started walking away, and she said, because you're special. 
And I, and I yelled back, I said, bull crap. He said, that ain't a good enough answer because, you know, that, that's just a weak answer to me. So, But she kept walking, and they grabbed me up underneath the armpits and uh, and drug me right in behind her. And uh, I don't remember it anymore after that either. I don't remember all the details of everything, but uh, but I would sit there and wait for all this to happen. So so that's that's really interesting to me that she said that you're special because... Again, it feels like considering you had that experience when you were 18 as well, it feels like this is directly involved with with you. There's something about you uh, that makes them want to interact with you. Are you any closer to understanding what that might be? No, I only I can only feel I can only speculate on it. I really can't. But I'm I'm not the only one this is going on to. I think I seen him bringing in a lot of people when I was on the other side with them. Uh-huh. And they bring in a lot of people in their pajamas, in their underwear. I mean, they, they have them lined up doing things. Just because you don't remember an experience, it doesn't mean you have not been abducted. Uh, Interesting. And I found this out to be very true because I've seen lots of people there that was uh, in, a, in a, like a comatose sleep. Form. Have you been ever been able to communicate with some of these other abductees while you've been abducted yourself? No, I was always off, you know, on the sidelines right. watching things go on until it was my turn. What kind of things were happening to these other abductees? Things I probably shouldn't talk about. <laughs> okay. Uh, so is that in terms of is that in terms of like graphic? Graphic experimentation. Um, yeah, well, you you know, you heard of uh, of anal probing and stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, I've seen that being done to somebody else, uh, and and I don't I don't have no idea why they do that stuff. They take samples of uh, your liver. I know that they take blood from you. Uh, they uh, they even one time they said something about my spleen. I don't even know what a spleen is, but. Uh, why would they want something like that? But well, that kind of leads us to, I guess, an agenda, David. Or wh- why do you think this is happening? Why do you think you're being taken? Why are other be- people being taken? Have you been able to gather any information to to point to why this is happening? All of the above. I think that they're profiting somehow off of this, right? Off of humans. It's uh, maybe slave labor, genetic material. Um. I like that idea. I mean, I don't mean I like it as in what they're doing, but um, it's an interesting concept that, uh, I mean, we are not infallible as in humanity. Offer us enough money and we'll do things. Uh, why would a different alien society be any different? Like, why would an alien society be any different? Um, they're not. Yeah. 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 They're not much different from us. They they have families. I've seen uh, alien children that they talk to the parents there, uh, reptilians. Um, uh, they 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 eat. They use the restroom. They they can be ble- they you know they bleed. Uh, but they, they what they're doing is for profit. They're not they're not here to help us because because they knew about this oil spill that was going on, and if they knew about it and they was here to help us, they would have prevented it or they would shut it off. They're not here to help us. They probably have bets that we're going to screw up. And they, you know what I'm <laughs> yeah, saying? Yeah. They probably, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, I've seen them. It's about profit. It, it ain't 
from what I've seen, they're not here to help. Right, us. but you don't have any specific information on what that profit might be. You, you haven't received anything. No, I don't know any kind of uh, tender or anything that they're using for okay. profit. But I, I do know that they put knowledge above all. So you you talk about this, um, you know, this long. Uh, operation you had what are some of the other experiences that that stand out in your mind what are some of the other um you know uh, momentous abduction accounts that you've had i've been through uh, like maybe five different types of stargates and maybe one being faster than the other and uh i've seen them operating stargates uh massive stargates like uh airport wow uh, yeah i mean people i mean uh all different kinds of species would be lined up and they would send them through at three at a time. What's the location of this? Because obviously this starts in your room and then you're taken, you're taken somewhere. So where, where exactly are you, are you taken? I'm trying to, I'm trying to picture in this in my mind. Obviously it's, it's hard to describe um, because we've heard talk of abductees with similar stories who claim to have been taken what looks to be underground. Some people say ships, but some people people say underground and that especially happens with reptilians um right you know is is that something that you've felt that you've a location you've been are you even able to discern or describe where this location is i've been i've been in massive underground tunnel systems uh they have trains down there uh is this earth or somewhere else uh i don't know if it's here uh i've seen things that might have suggested that maybe a place might have been on the moon, mm-hmm. uh, maybe on a craft, because uh, I remember one time, because I always, because the people that they send in to get me, they're not always the best of the best. They're not always the smartest. Right. And, uh, and I can, you know, tell them I want to talk to somebody in charge. And um, one time they take me to this one place, and it looked like they had like an atrium going on in uh, like a, like a food bar with like cactuses in it and stuff like that. And uh, I could see out one window. It, it looked like it was the planet Earth, but I, not for sure. But uh, the lady was sitting in her chair, and there was a whole group of these reptilian ladies sitting at these computers. She said, what's he doing here? And he says he wants to speak to somebody in charge. And she <laughs> starts waving his finger, get him the hell out of here, you know. And uh, Wow. But uh, and she was upset. She was young, and uh, and he told her again he wants to speak to somebody in charge, and uh, and she's just waving his finger, and that's all I remember. It just cut off from there that I can remember. One other time, uh, I was in, brought, I was laying in bed pretending I was asleep, and uh, I let him come in and get me. They carried me out the house, uh, or through this porthole, Stargate, whatever you want to call it, and. Uh, they brought me into a room, and I remember when I was laying down on this uh, table, it was metal, it was cold, and uh, I could hear them all talking around, and then uh, I went ahead and I sat up, and I asked them I wanted to speak to somebody in charge, and then everybody went running all different directions. <laughs> and, uh, and I looked at them. <laughs> they was, they was running all different directions. Yeah. And uh, I sat up, and I, was, uh, and I looked at there was uh, one of these reptilian-looking frog guys, and he was pretty big you know, awesome size. And, uh, he pulled this gun out on me and it didn't look like a real gun. Uh, it was like red and white and it had like a square barrel and it had like a wire stock on the end of it. 
and he looked like he was upset. And I put my hands up. I said, I just want to talk to somebody in charge. And uh, that's what I remember from that situation, too. But I go there awake, come back asleep. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, that's, that's interesting. Are, are you curious as to how many memories you might have hidden kind of deep within your subconscious that you, you're not able to recall? Have you ever thought about having more re- regressions to try and retrieve some of these memories? I, I thought about it, uh, but, but I got... Uh, I got enough memories to fill up a phone book. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, but it, some of them more often than others, uh, and, and some of them, uh, you know, because I seen things that I don't even know what the heck I was looking at. Uh, uh, when I, I went to uh, a Stargate one time, and it was pretty awesome. It was like the fastest one I've been through because uh, I could see both places at the same time. I could see my bedroom and where I was at exactly at the same time. And it was funny because as it, it was like only like for a split second, I don't, I cannot explain it, but it seemed to slow down like a movie camera, like it, like the reel was, you know, slowing down. But I, I could see both places at one time, and that's a trip. So I was, it was two places at one time for a, uh, long enough to uh, know what happened. And then I ran over to my wife and uh, woke her up and said, you're not going to believe what just happened, you know. <laughs> Sometimes I wouldn't let her sleep. But <laughs> David, have they ever tried to, um, you said that the females have appeared beside your bed. Do you think, they've, have they ever tried to mate with you or take um, semen from you or anything like that? Sure. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Yeah, that they, uh, but you don't feel nothing. I don't understand. I heard I heard a story like that before, and people are like traumatized by it. But you don't feel nothing. Yeah. Is it is it done by a machine or? No, they they just uh, they just get on top and it's done and over with that quick. Interesting. Now that actually leads me to another question because some of the other abductee stories I've heard, um, there's often interaction with what people term hybrids, so offspring of half human, half something else. Um, have you ever come across anything like that in your experiences? Yeah, I, I've seen a, I've seen a lot of different hybrids. There, they uh, they're interested in talent as well. They like somebody can sing. They like uh, they're very interested in talent. So I'm surprised more movie actors and stuff like that don't get abducted, or they might be and don't even know it. But uh, but yeah, I've seen some uh, I've seen some young girls there. They would look like just like little angels. Uh, they was really pretty, and uh, and uh, they was all look alike, all four of them. And are they are they usually when? Can you try and describe them for us? I mean, because uh, often hybrids are described as being half grey. Um, oh. Is that is that what you're seeing, or is it something different? No, they there was there was definitely flesh colored, but maybe uh, like they don't get much sunlight. Uh, yeah. With the with the blonde hair, long blonde hair. Uh, and they they had on what which looked like a uh, maybe a little princess outfit. It was all dresses exactly the same. Wow! Uh, they they try to keep the kids entertained there. I guess uh, they have tutors. They have uh, and they teach uh, the human children that I've seen there of uh, culture of humans. They don't try to teach them their way. They actually let the the children know that they're human. Interesting. And where they came from. Have you seen any uh, cloning? Is Are they trying to do cloning or are they just interested in hybridization? Yeah, yeah, they do cloning. Uh, and then, But I tell you what, they can make a clone of a full-grown human. And how I see them doing it is they, uh, 
they get a set of bones that matches up to what they want to do it, and they put them together and grow them uh, that fast, but they don't have the mind of a child. But uh, they're usually only good for labor. Right. Uh, so, but that's for a full-grown human. But they uh, they grow a lot of children. They give them to uh, other couples that I've seen. Have you? And how do you know this? Have you seen them being I've seen grown? The they can they can impregnate from the time of conception within twenty minutes. The female can go have a, a child. Wow. They wave this uh, uh, a wand over their stomach and their stomach just blows up like a balloon. Mm. Then they go and they get on all fours and have a child. Wow. wow. That's... And you've actually seen that process? Yeah, yeah, over and over. And, and I always find it amazing because it, it only takes like maybe 20 minutes. I, mean, I have a perception of time while I'm there. When you're missing time, you don't have no perception of that. But uh, it takes about 20 minutes from the time of uh, a conception to by the time they walk out of there. So, so maybe... A lot of people that are getting abducted might have children over a single night, but they can control the speed of time somehow. I do not, I can't explain it. They can control gravity. We would think it was God that they was here, but right. Do you think it's? Do you think it is some sort of magic, or it's purely technology? It's purely their science. It's pure technology. Right. Yeah. They. 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 Uh, they're smart. They're. They're. Their thought pre- uh, process seems to function a lot faster. They seem to be paranoid of each other, you know, because they, they seem to have rules and not laws, but rules. And uh, this is the only way I can picture it. If uh, if you had a, a, a rule or a law that I should not kill somebody, and if you was walking down a hallway and somebody passes you and you was thinking about killing that guy that, uh, that, uh, that was messing around with your girlfriend or something, it, that would be breaking the law. So I'm sure you'd be very responsible for what you was thinking. Oh, so even thinking about it is is against the the rule. I see. While we're talking to you, David, there's there's so many questions that keep popping up. I feel like we need to kind of uh, go away and, and come come back with with more questions for you. I I honestly did not realize how deep the and depth. Yeah, it's amazing. The, the depth of your experiences are absolutely incredible. Um, I just wanted to to kind of finish on on just a couple more questions. I, I was interested in because often with when we talk about these entities, there's often UFOs associated, and we talk about their technology. Have you ever seen any uh, of their so-called craft? And and can you describe what you've seen? Yeah, I, I remember being in one craft, but it didn't. It wasn't that much inside uh, of it. You know, there was a. It had a table and it looked like a, a small, like couch or thing, but it's pretty much hollow inside from what I've seen. Not not much to it. The the floor stepped down and stepped up. I remember that. Uh, I've been in a. Uh, I believe it might have been a bigger craft, and uh, because I got up and decided I was going to go for a stroll, and uh, there's nowhere to run. You know, I, <laughs> <laughs> they 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 uh, first it blows their mind. I actually get up and go. But uh, yeah, I, I get so far, I'm thinking, where am I going to go? Yeah. <laughs> I just stop, and they come and get me. Yeah, so, right. so. Wow. <laughs> so, up to, so, is it still happening today, David? Like, does it, is it still as frequent as what has happened in the past? Uh, no, it's slowed down, but I know they come and check on me every now and then. Uh, they came uh, right on schedule. They said it's coming this April, and uh, they showed up 
three three times. My wife remembers an incident. My daughter, she doesn't live with me, and neither does my son, but they remembered something that happened for them this April. Yeah, wow. Um, but they told me last July, uh, first, second, and third, it was, they came, and uh, they said it was going to be back in the month of April to watch an event happen. And uh, they showed me some kind of flooding, and they showed me some billions of dollars done to coastlines. And uh, that's what they was coming to check out. But Interesting. And then uh, we had the BP spill, and we get uh, Tennessee up there, one underwater, the whole city of, uh, no, Nashville was. And uh, I'm, I'm assuming that the volcano was the uh, event that they was coming to watch. But they do watch our fireworks. Uh, they watch... Uh, they watch everything we do, so don't think you're not being watched. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Interesting. Um, you said earlier that when you've told people these experiences, I mean, obviously you get disbelief and perhaps ridicule, but I'm, I'm curious, why are you talking to us today? Why why do you want to tell your story to us? I thought it would be pretty fun and pretty cool. Uh, I <laughs> it is, of course, it is. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's like I pretty much got away from doing the videos. I got, you know, I just need to move on with my life because I've been messing around with this for almost 10 years. And uh, sometimes I sit there and think maybe all this information was just meant for me. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, the aliens know what I know. They know what I know, and uh, they know the videos that I got, and some of my really good ones they took back. Uh, uh, so, do you think they're actually letting you d- do it? They're just letting you. They know they, that you've... they didn't like it. Right. They didn't like it. So, and they, I lost a lot of equipment because they didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so they was very much aware of what I was doing. They're, they're not dumb by a long shot, and uh, but I can tell you one thing: they're not too much different from us. They, they they live pretty much like us. They have families. They have their own personal problems. Why don't they come out and uh, talk to us? Because they don't want to integrate our problems with them. I'm sure that's what it is. And then they would spoil what they're doing. Right. And uh, and if the government knows what I know, just one eighth, you you can count on disclosure never happening. Ah, oh, interesting. Right. I can't even tell you some of the things. <laughs> that I know. So. David, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been great. Like, we'll have to get you back in a couple of months and see where you're at and if anything's happened. Um, amazing to talk to you. And uh, Aaron said a couple of months, but I'll, I would actually like to have you back um, sooner if, if you would like to, because I feel like sure. after speaking to you today, I have so many more questions and I feel that now that I've, I've you know, spoken to you, for an hour, just over an hour now, I can um, kind of take that away and and come up with with some more questions and you know throw those at you. And so we would love to have you back if if you would like to come back. I'd be happy to. Wonderful, that's excellent, excellent. Well, we wish you the best, David. And again, thank you for for coming on the show. Thank you very much, guys. Huge thanks again there to David Eckhart for appearing on the show. And, you know, we went back and forth with a few emails and eventually he decided to come on. So I'm so pleased he did. It was incredible. What an amazing bunch of experiences. You and I, after we finished our call with him, we're just like sitting here, just like going, wow, like our eyes were wide open. It was just amazing. And as I said at the end of the interview, and I said to him afterwards as well, that, gosh, you have to come back on the show because 
I wasn't prepared for that. No. I wasn't prepared for that that depth of an experience. Uh, and I have a lot more questions. And I'm sure you listening out there have many questions as well that you'd like to ask, David. So, maybe we can take this as, as an opportunity to kind of focus down and, and try and get some more information from him and his experiences. But overall, he just seemed very uh, down, down to, to earth. earth. Yeah. But also almost detached from the whole thing and, and aloof from the experience. Like, he was kind of over it. Like, he was getting over it. He's yeah. looking forward to yeah. a new period of his life. And it's very strange because he claims to not feel fear. I mean, most of the abduction accounts we hear that are similar to his story, it's this terror, absolute terror. And if you think of what he had going on, like the surgery, for example, parts of his skin being peeled back, and he's saying that he's just fascinated by it. Well, look, he's not feeling pain, as he said. And so, if it's not becoming a, a painful or a overly traumatic experience, then it becomes an inconvenience. And so, it's like, oh, here again, are you yeah, abducting right. me again? Regardless of whether or not this is true, and I don't even think it comes down to truth, it really is a great story. Oh, the story's incredible. It's incredible. I, I really want more details from him. Like, some of the stuff he was saying that he just kind of glossed over, like he mentioned there was an underground cavern with all sorts of alien races lined up, you know, it was like an underground uh, airport terminal kind of thing. I, mean, I really like the concept that he put out there, that these alien species, they're just like us. This, they have the same faults and flaws. And, and they're making money. So, why would they want to go and or making whatever they're trying to make? It's like outsourced abductions. Yes. There are a few elements where we could corroborate his story. I mean, he says that his wife uh, is experiencing these things as well and also his children. So, I mean, if we could speak to them, that would really back up the story if they said yes. Dad's not crazy. This is really happening. This happened to us as well. And also childhood friends and work friends. I mean, that story of his his work friend who came over and said, you know, you're going psychotic, David. And then at a certain time at night, he saw the same things as well and was in tears the next morning and couldn't believe what he had seen. He just doesn't really come across that way. He really doesn't. There are some people that really you can just tell that they're, they're nuts. There's a possibility that, I mean, there's always the possibility that he's getting this information from the literature that's already out there. Yeah, that's a possibility. I mean, nothing he's saying is really new. But again, that shouldn't take away from his story. I think the fact that a lot of the uh, things he mentioned are similar to... Uh, abduction accounts we've covered recently, like again, to bring up David Huggins's experiences, yeah. especially the portal opening up yeah. in the bedroom. It was exactly the same thing we'd heard uh, from Huggins's accounts. And also uh, the fact that there's multiple entities interacting with each other and, you know, sex with alien beings. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of links there as well. You all have to agree. It's a great story. What if he's telling the truth though? I'm, well, what if I hope guy, he is. What if he's telling the truth? Because he made a comment at the end that really stuck with me. He said, if the government knows one-eighth of what I've seen, there will never be disclosure. But that's what I've been saying. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm starting to understand that now. Perhaps the truth is so terrifying, it can never be revealed. Yeah, you're right, Ben. If this stuff is that terrifying, of course disclosure is never going to occur. I mean, I hope it does one day, but you never know. I would like to know if he's seen Bigfoot, as in involved in... Because we talk about these things owning Bigfoot as pets. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And Huggins' story had this weird, you know, hairy creature he was interacting with as well. And he mentioned these beings with big kind of 
big long arms and the frog frog like eyes mm. and green skin. It was that was pretty bizarre. Do you know, I, I would find it incredibly disturbing because I think one of the places where you should be able to feel the safest is at night when you're in bed. You should be able to sleep without fear. And the fact that he's lying in bed with his wife and they can hear whispering is yeah. Awful. It, that would really creep me out. But again, his demeanour is he's so nonchalant about yeah, it. Nonchalant about it. it. It's really interesting. So again, we'd love to hear from you if you have questions, specific questions you would like us to ask David, because we will have him back on the show, um, and I'm, I'm sure he'll agree to come back. And you and I, Aaron, we have to come up with some you know, really detailed questions to drill into this story and try and get more details on his years of experiences. Absolutely. We've got a couple of updates on stories when we come back, as well as some emails from you guys. You're listening to Mysterious Universe Plus. Don't go away. Welcome back. And before we got to emails, we wanted to give a quick update on the New Hampshire State House Representative Henry W. McElroy Jr. And of course, we heard his statement on the last Plus episode regarding the Eisenhower, alleged Eisenhower meeting with uh, extraterrestrials and a document he claimed to have seen. Have you been keeping an eye on this story to see what the community's been discussing? Admittedly, no. <laughs> yeah, right. We have been busy. But uh, yeah, I've been curious to see... Um, the response and to see if anyone's really followed up. Mm. I was actually hoping to see some interviews with the guy. We didn't contact him this week, but, uh, you know, maybe Coast to Coast might be able to pick him up, but nothing so far. And Larry Bryant, who blogged about him last week as well, uh, managed to get through some questions to McElroy. He sent a letter to the guy's contact and said, I'd feel better about his credibility if he would sit for no holds barred Q&A with the media or at the very least over the web, maybe on Coast to Coast or some such show taking calls, in the world of ufology, little is as it seems. Jeez, if that isn't the understatement of the century. Yeah, he says that you'll, of course, find echoes of Carl's sentiment among some other veteran researchers grown weary and leery of UFO history's crying wolf insiders, ranging from the late Bill Cooper to the so-called Project Serpo proponents. He says, at this point, it seems that the only recourse we have is to keep asking questions. Fair enough, Mr. McElroy, right? And accordingly, at McElroy's invitation via his intermediary, I recently emailed him a list of six questions. He says, below, I'm posting his answers along with my pertinent comments in brackets. So these are the questions he put forward and McElroy was kind enough to reply, but he doesn't give much away in his replies. Question one, what percentage of confidence do you have that the Ike UFO ET brief you'd observed while on duty at the New Hampshire State House of Representatives circa 2003 was an official government document? The answer he gets is 100%. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, straightforward. That's it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't go into any detail. There's no uh, discussing the rationale behind this. Question two, if a US congressional committee were to hold a series of open hearings on the matter of UFO ET reality, would you be willing to testify under oath before that committee? Oh, oh let me guess. No. Yeah, the answer's just no. Right. Bryant says, again, no explanation offered. Does this absence mean he would also resist a subpoena compelling his delivery of testimony before said committee? How many of the other witnesses to the same document would also resist compliance with the subpoena? Third question, during your inspection of the brief, did you notice any security classification stamped or imprinted thereon? What kind of federal security clearance, if any, did you possess 
Well, I mean, that's a great question, Ben, because it's identifying what he understands of the security classification system. I mean, anything that is in federal government falls under some form of security classification. And even if something doesn't have, you know, a classification, it actually has unclassified written on it. Exactly. That's the big question we had from last week. Why would this guy get to see that document? Well, would you like to hear what his response is, Ben? Let's hear it. My memory serves me that it was an official memorandum to President Eisenhower. I do not remember the presence or absence of any security stamps. Very convenient. No federal security clearances required. Yeah, and Brian asks, why didn't he photocopy the document in question for later analysis? Also, would he now be willing to undergo a polygraph exam as to the veracity of his account? Number four, would you be willing to be interviewed by such renowned radio talk show host as Jerry Pippen? As to your pre-representative education, employment background, and as to your motivation, timing, methodology, and prospects for this smoking gun disclosure of UFO ET reality. He says, no, I have nothing more to say on this topic that can't be gleaned from viewing of the video, the script, and the President Eisenhower's farewell speech. Insightful studies should also be done of what has gone on before us. This would include, but not be limited to, what a host of our own American Earth-based astronauts have said about the existence of off-world astronauts, and integrate this with what 12 other sovereign countries have released in their extraterrestrial off-world astronaut-related files. What? He just seems to think that there's enough information out there already. He doesn't really need to say anything more. His statement is enough. And like I said, perhaps it is just something to add to the pile. Oh, of course. But did he not expect that when you go out with such a incredible allegation that people wouldn't want to interview you and get to talk to you about what's going yeah, on? It seems a bit naive that he wouldn't expect, you know, at least a, a Larry King call, maybe. Mm, <laughs> mm. Number five, if you could redo any aspect of your pivotal disclosure effort, what would that be and why? And he just answers, no redo required. And finally, he asks, what suggestions do you have as to how certain UFO ET researchers worldwide can help determine the document's whereabouts and investigate its authenticity and provenance? He says, I do not want to be so presumptive as to suggest that such a distinguished body of researchers on this topic do anything. One last point is that we are speaking of the fact that truth will come out. This reminds me of the following quote, which I remember from a story which went something like this. The noises around us make it hard to hear, but the human voice is different from other sounds. It can be heard over noises that bury everything else, even if it's just a whisper when it's telling the truth. So finally, Bryant says, with this critique, I mean not to disparage McElroy's integrity a record of public service or passion for disclosure. With his testimony, we stand at a crossroads, wondering which way to turn in what seems to be an eternal thankless quest in the public interest. He says, thank you, sir, for trying to plant a beacon for us. So overall, it's good that he's still positive. I mean, the guy is going out there in the public domain and and saying things that often others are too scared to do so. They cannot put themselves forward and make those statements. What I wouldn't give for alien ships to start just showing up on this planet <laughs> and blasting us away. Like, it would finally give us a resolution. Yeah, but you'd be blasted away. How is that good? Oh, well, there's <laughs> insurance. I know the truth now. Bang. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> well, going to be an afterlife. So, are you, are you kind of more sceptical after those responses or are you, are you still open to the possibility that this document was real? Uh, look, the problem that I have is that uh, it's already been discussed that this isn't actually the real document that he saw. The- well, we don't know that for sure. No. All we know is that there are fakes that have been around for a while. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I, I don't know. I just, I guess I don't know how I'd behave in that situation. I just find his behavior to be slightly unusual. I would have thought if you're going to, like, you would know if you're going to go on to television or however he presented this, that yes, I've witnessed a document which was handed to the presidency of one of the most powerful countries on this planet. Mm. That you wouldn't expect to get some type of interview requests or telling him, you know, are you prepared to present this before a Senate committee? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm still, I still want to remain open-minded about the- Oh, I'm not trying to be sceptical. I'm just saying I, I don't understand his behaviour. I'm hoping that he saw something real, but at the same time, even if it was a fake document, it doesn't take away from him, I guess, coming forward and, and making those statements. Well- it's kind of a hard thing it's because hard he's, thing, he's being brave, but at the same time, maybe he's just being terribly naive. Whatever happened to the good old deathbed statements? I mean, really? Yeah, right. That's what we need. We need, to, we need more people to start dying so that they can give their deathbed statements. Well, that's one of the arguments against UFO ET reality. Is why isn't there more deathbed statements? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Maybe, but then again, people are very- uh, they, they stand beside their convictions very well. So- if they've been sworn to secrecy by these organisations, perhaps they will take that with them to the grave. Right. Good point. This is a new article, so there's only a few comments, but one of the commenters, John1801, said, the fact that he won't answer questions is a strong signal that we shouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. Clown pole. I mean, really, he wants us to believe without any explanation at all, not even basic facts, that a document which contained the very most sensitive and earth-shattering information which has ever existed in the history of mankind was somehow floating around the New Hampshire State House, and he, as some small-time tiny state legislator, had access to it because of his need to coordinate state and federal issues. What BS, he says. I like to comment on our Facebook page, because I asked the question, why would this guy get to see this document? And so, I don't know who it was, but one of our readers just posted, because he's Batman. <laughs> I was like, good answer. Yeah, Maybe good answer. he's Batman. Yeah. It's funny that we're discussing the veracity of a piece of paper when for the last hour we've been discussing <laughs> reptilian abductions. Uh, look, after this week, don't listen to, like, honestly, do not listen to any of my comments because after this week, my head is completely, yeah, I won't even use the word. Like, I've, I've just been through a mysterious universe washing. Like, I'm, my head is full, Ben. I need it, a glass of wine. I'll leave you to hang out to dry for the weekend. Mm. Tons of emails this week. We picked out a couple of good ones referring to plus content. This one was from Aaron during episode one. Not me. Not you. During episode 122, you discussed giant owl sightings. I have a giant owl sighting of my own to share. One summer night four years ago in Texas, while I was making the three-hour drive back home down Highway 7, it was just outside of Kennard, Texas, when I saw it. It was around four feet tall and was standing on what appeared to be a short tree stump. There was no mistaking it for an owl as I drove past it at 65 miles per hour. It just stood there as I passed, but turned its head to follow my car as I went by. I immediately woke up my girlfriend and told her about it and asked her if she wanted to see it. She either didn't or didn't believe me. Either way, we didn't go back. Insert what to do when you see Bigfoot on the road here. Well, thanks for emailing in, Aaron, and if you take our Aaron's advice, you know exactly... What to do. Yep. Especially yep. going at 65 miles an hour. Yep. You swerve. Mm-hmm. And, yep. You know, one day, I reckon, I'm going to land in the States and I'm going to have like the Environmental Protection Agency take me into custody <laughs> or something. <laughs> the next email has come from Sam, and I just couldn't help myself but repeat this one. This is hilarious. He says, yeah, so I was listening to your 321 episode on my way back from the bar at about 2am. I really don't know why I decided to do this, but being 50 Cent Mug Night, I really didn't need a reason to explain any sort of foolish things I do. 
I ended up walking home half a mile past all the other students I attend college with, karate chopping myself in the face. <laughs> that's that's not the worst of it, Ben. Wait for it. I must have blacked out because I woke up the next morning with no memory of actually arriving home. My pillow was covered in a fairly respectable patch of dried blood. Nice. So, no, there wasn't a heart-related effect in my case, but I'm going to venture a guess that acupuncture is not something I'm going to attempt while drunk again. <laughs> so, nice. that relates to what we were talking about, Ben, about if you use acupuncture at, what was it, the point on your lip or just above? Yeah, it's on your top lip above the the bottom of your nose and the tip of your top lip. Right, and if you use, hit that at a certain point, it can stop someone from having a heart attack. Yeah, well, so I was told once so, in my class. Well, let's try this while we're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> but just karate chopping himself in the face. This is what amazes me, is that college students uh, end up being so intelligent, but they just do the dumbest of things, and I'm one of them. So, good on you, Sam. It's because of beer night. Yes, it is. Last one's from Tim. He said, Hi, guys. The only supernatural experience I've ever had is with a shadow person... But I feel it's dubious because I just listened to your first podcast on them about a week or so before. See, that's the thing. You listen strange to this show, happen. strange things happen. Mm-hmm. He said there seemed to be a dark essence in my doorway. The moon was out so I could see the rest of the room in the light from the moon, but I could not see the window or anything on the other side of my open doorway. I could only move my head and could also hear a mechanical hum. I was really stressed to begin with, but told myself that this thing could not hurt me And then I relaxed and went back to sleep quickly. I feel that this was my mind creating this situation, as I had only just heard about this topic on MU, and have always wanted to have some sort of supernatural experience, but who knows. I've also tried to astral travel. I've got to a point where it felt like every molecule in my body was vibrating so intensely that I felt I would just fall apart. I thought, oh crap, I'm not sure of this. What if I'm not ready? And like the flick of a switch, the whole experience stopped. I've never been able to get to that point again. He also makes a reference to SLI. He says, I probably have on average two to three streetlights turn on or off on me a week. It only seems to happen when I'm deep in thought about a decision to make. It feels like it's almost an answer to my question. If only I could decode it. Thanks for the show, guys. Thanks for emailing in, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Speaking of SLI, Ben, shall we tell our listeners what's been happening with you recently? I've Weirdo. Got, yeah, I've just got powers. Well, okay. So SLI the whole, powers. Well, I was down at the local shopping centre the other day, and I noticed that they had this, like, home automation kit. So I'm like, oh, awesome, because I've got a real weakness for gadgets. So I, I picked up this home automation kit. And in my living room downstairs, I have a lot of lamps. And so I, like, plugged all these different lamps in so that I can have, like, smooth lighting. It's very good. And no, I'm joking. But so I plugged all these lamps in. And I was like, I was turning them on. I'm like, this is awesome. I can turn all my lights on and off with this remote control. It's yeah. just this little remote control. And I'm like, Ben, 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 come down here. So you come ambling down from the studio. And I'm like, oh my God, check this out. It doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't work. And I'm like, okay, this is great. And then you walk away, like, not impressed. And then it works. I'm like, what the hell? So I kept on getting you to come back. <laughs> Whenever you were close to the remote, it did not work. But when I was 10 meters away from you, it worked. I'm like, what is going on? I don't think anyone can fault our scientific method, Aaron. Confirmed. It was confirmed. <laughs> Whenever I was next to you, it didn't work. <laughs> it's just really weird. What is with you? You should see what I do to the rest of your expensive electronic goods when you're not around. Yeah, that's not I a good zap them. Yeah, I so zap the warranty out of them. Yeah, I can tell. The accelerometer in my iPhone's playing up. I think that's you. <laughs> So, uh, that's my payback, is it, for trying to blow up the light bulb in your fridge? Yeah, that's right. Fair enough. So, again, thanks, Tim. And, yeah, there was three kind of classic MU topics in that email. The fact that he heard the hum 
when he had that shadow person mm. experience as mm. well makes me think perhaps there was something more to it than just your mind creating it. Um, and also with astral travel, yeah, that's often said that as soon as you have fear, it immediately stops. You can't have the fear. You have to be confident in doing it. Otherwise, bang, you'll be back in your body again. But what if you get sucked into something or, you know, sucked into an astral black hole? Well, it's never going to work for you because that's you're, you're scared. Well, I'm not scared. I just don't want to get sucked into an astral black hole. <laughs> thanks for everyone who's contacted us during the week. And thanks to everyone for being class members. We really appreciate your support. Have a great weekend. I'm going to go play Red Dead Redemption. Get my gaming on this weekend. <laughs> Have a great weekend.